0: Game Dev's Quest. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Game Dev's Quest, your once weekly podcast, falling to scrubs into game devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett.
1: What up, y'all? I'm Taylor.
0: Yeah. So, uh... Yeah. How y'all been doing? Taylor, how about you?
1: Man, I've been good. I'm. Yeah. I'm curious to hear about what's going on with you, too, because it's been a while. But, yeah, I mean, it's been
0: a while. We did just record uh, <laughs> together for uh, the Cheerful Ghost, yep. uh, the Cheerful Ghost radio podcast, and uh that was kind of fun but you know we uh, were busy making studio magic we got uh didn't get a chance to catch up too much but
1: yeah well we've done i've done a couple solo episodes you did a solo episode we had Zibic uh zivix on and then we did cheerful ghost and yeah now we haven't really like none of those times have really allowed us to catch up which is fine but it's just kind of weird <laughs> yeah but uh no things are good for me. Uh, I started my job, you know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I'm on I think week 3 or f- week 4. Um man, it's been kind of crazy. They th- they threw me onto a project as I guess the lead, mostly I think because everyone else is busy and they wanted to do like a trial by fire kind of a thing. Yeah. And uh there was this urgent request put in last week. And it was due like tomorrow, so Friday. So it was like a seven-day turnaround, which is normally apparently pretty uncommon. And so put me on this project. It's not really too complicated, but it it deals with financial data that has to be passed from one system to another system. And it's using uh, C Sharp web forms, which is sort of a deprecated framework for making websites and then it's like super database heavy and so the first like couple of days i pretty much was just sitting in reading the code like trying to figure out what was what and getting kind of confused and feeling overwhelmed with this like deadline hovering over my head but eventually we had a meeting with the customer and like a lot of things were clarified there and made me feel pretty pretty good so the last couple days i've just literally like gotten to work and then just sat at my computer coding and reading code for like eight hours (laughs) 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 which is awesome but it's so mentally exhausting yep so i've just been like coming home and i've been beat like not really much energy to do anything and then we have like the house stuff to do, which is kind of slowed down. Now we've kind of taken care of most of the smaller projects. So we're on to thinking about bigger ones, but you still have to do like day to day, like do dishes, mow the lawn, that kind of stuff. And we've been, we've been like buying some new artwork. And so it's like hanging stuff, which for whatever reason, I would rather like, I don't know. I'd rather do so many things than hang a picture. For some reason I freaking hate it because You got to figure out like what the height should be if it's centered. And then you have to consider like how big it is. So how many things you can put into the wall to to hang it, make sure it's not over a stud or like you're going to drill into any kind of electrical stuff or whatever. And it ends up like, I don't know, being a lot of thinking and doing a little math and stuff. I don't know. I just kind of hate it. So, but I've been doing that sort of stuff.
0: That's all really easy with the right tools, though. Maybe you just don't have the right tools.
1: Maybe not. I just use my mind. So, <laughs> and that hasn't been so sharp lately. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, you come home exhausted every day, and then you're going to use your mind for that. Of course, it's not going to be easy or fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, that's pretty much what I've been up to. There's been a lot of stuff like in between
0: all of that, but I
1: have just been so like laser-focused on work that that's about it right now. Yeah. So.
0: Dang, dude. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know if I've had a chance really to formally congratulate you on starting the new job. That's like totally yeah. badass. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty and cool. And by formally, I mean on the air. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know
1: yeah we have like a a pretty cool team it's like almost 20 people pretty diverse group of people with lots of different backgrounds from all over the world and stuff and so it's cool like getting to work with people like one thing that's been really challenging though actually is that you know i'm like this scrub like newbie on the team and so if i ask if i ask somebody for help they'll tell me one way to do something and then like if I end up talking to somebody else about it, they'll tell me a completely different way to do it. (laughs) And so then I'm like constantly trying to balance like what approach I should take, you know, based off of the advice I've been given. And I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Like everybody is very talented and very smart on the team, but like literally everyone thinks about things in completely different ways. Which is funny, but I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, What about you, dude? I know you're uh, pretty exhausted right now, so tell me about it.
0: Yeah, well, I too started uh, a new job. Congrats, Um, man. Thank you. Yeah, I am a park ranger at uh, Oregon's biggest state park. And I'm really exhausted um
1: dude that's so 40. cool though that you're a park ranger <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like so random but also awesome
0: yeah well I th- i've told the story a couple times and um i've told the story a couple times it's like you know just getting burned out doing what i was doing and and didn't necessarily like want a hard career shift or anything like that but decided to just look for a change of pace and this is it, you know, so I started, I just started applying for places that, uh, would allow me to work outdoors and to like do something physical because like, I was so tired of like sitting at a desk. I was so tired of that sort of thing. And yeah. while there are a lot of benefits to like the work and stuff I was doing before, uh, it, I also was just dependent on working for a lot of people that I wasn't happy working for or working with, mm-hmm. um, And again, it's just like I got mentally and morally and all that type of stuff just burned out. And then when a uh, promotion went to a employee that I thought just like everybody agreed didn't deserve it, uh, I was tired of like waiting around to like see what was going to happen. So here we are. I applied to all of these outdoor jobs. Uh, This was the third job I was offered, if you can believe that. (laughs) Uh, um, And uh, I just decided to go with it because it's a little bit closer. Not much, but it is. If I uh, still lived where I lived when Game Devs Quest started, it would be like right in my backyard, actually. (laughs) It would be like 20 minute drive. Um, But it's about like 35 with no traffic. Um, you know, maybe 40 minutes with no traffic. Yeah. Um,
1: but you don't have to like spend the night places, do you? Or wait, you work
0: nights now. Yeah. So I do work late. Uh, that is kind of one of the downsides. However, everybody that I've been working with has assured me that my shift is the best. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. (laughs) Uh, it's kind of what I operate best anyways Yeah, is like those late, you know, sort of, I guess pseudo swing shift hours. Um, I, the only reason I don't like them is because you definitely don't get a life, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even graveyard, you get a life a little bit. You pick, you want to get up early and like have stuff in the evening or stay up late and have stuff in the morning. And that's when your friends and family are doing stuff. But all the other times it's like, uh, for like work and swing, it's like, well, you're busy in the evening. So then it's like, you're left either getting up really early and like not getting much sleep or that's it. You know, like everybody's busy. Um,
1: So if you're there at night, like what are you doing?
0: Yeah, uh, (laughs) that sounds uh, to
1: me it's like you're at night out in the woods. Like it sounds kind of freaky.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So um, I haven't worked one of those shifts yet. Okay. Um, I just started this week. So, but uh, my understanding is that I will be um, sort of like policing the campgrounds you know, making sure that people are taken care of. And of course, like all of the day use areas, like close at like 10, you know? Yeah. Um, And, you know, it'll probably be getting dark right around that point uh, here pretty soon. Uh, And then it'll progressively get darker earlier all summer. But, so, I'll be closing down all of the day use areas, making sure people aren't still in the park, making sure you know people are getting into their cars okay, policing the the campgrounds, making sure um people are following the rules over there and uh recognizing the quiet hours and things like that, you know,
1: yeah, what um, kind of penalty do you have for catching somebody littering? <laughs>
0: Uh, we can issue citations uh-huh. and we can also obviously kick people out of the park. but usually it seems to just be a perfect educational moment you gotcha. know,
1: not just... super punitive
0: right. Just <laughs> you know, like that's what I'd do right. <laughs> and um, I think like under the certain circumstances like that's how I would be too. Yeah but uh, it is pretty cool like seeing like how many different people, Uh, use the parks and like this park is like such a destination like people come from all over the country to see it and so like we were just walking through the other day and uh, it was a pretty slow day and it was like one of my first on the job and there was like a dozen different languages being spoken like in (laughs) this big picnic area Mm -hmm. it just and so sometimes it's just a cultural thing you know And if somebody is leaving something on the on the ground or whatever, maybe they just didn't quite understand where the garbage bins were, or maybe they didn't under, you know, I don't know. It, they might not be able to like read the English signs as well as others and things like that. So, sure. um, it's been kind of an enlightening experience, and also uh, it's it's those are the types of interactions that I was looking for, right? Because like at the other place I was working, um, I would have like policy or, like, law enforcement-type interactions uh, that were all, like, super negative and, like, um, yeah. pretty intense, you know? And that's what I want to get away from. Yeah, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, like, those types of interactions, but, like, a little bit more on the positive side. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, like... So the library, they have security guards, and they have to just put up with so much crap. And, yeah. like... I don't know. I just feel really bad for them. And I'm sure like the amount of money that they get paid is not what they deserve to be paid, you know? So, uh,
0: no, I'll pretty much like never work traditional security again. Yeah. Like the loss prevention gig is like something that I could sort of tolerate because it's not traditional security necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, and depending on where you work again, like I would never go to a corporate store again, but like the small independent, uh, that I especially had like a decent position with and all that, like that makes a big difference, but just like for standard security, like you just get shit on and you don't make any money and nobody values you. And I don't know if like the library guards or whatever are like, if they're actual public employees or if they're like, no, they're uh contract. Yeah, so, so it's even so, worse probably. So the library probably pays that company like thirty dollars an hour per guard, and then those guards are like maybe getting ten to twelve dollars an hour, depending. Yeah, um, Man. you know, I'm sure some of them might make more, but like since it's a library, I don't think so. Um, yeah,
1: they have such a tough job too. I'm sure. I'm sure you've run into that too, and that's probably
0: why you're getting out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the type of job I had before, like, that was, like, my first jobs out of high school and stuff, like, yeah. uh, right out of college were those, you know, I worked uh, what they, like, patrol and, like, post security for, like, three years. Yeah. Um, and I hated it. It's just miserable. It's thankless and boring and, and ultimately, it's like, the business is just, the whole model of it all is made to kind of screw over the people at the bottom. Yeah. And you think you're going to get into it and you're going to be surrounded by people who are good at what they do, but they just like, it's like literally a, and most of the time you get put in work with people that are like entry level stuff. They have like zero professional experience and then they aren't trained properly. And so they're making the dumbest decisions possible when in reality, like most people and places have security guards because it's like an insurance liability. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have security guards to make probably because they get a discount on their insurance. Like I bet they, I bet they also like uh, do a lot of other sort of duties at the library that helps them get uh, insurance deduction on their building and stuff like Mm. that, you know, like check for fires and make sure the emergency exits are cleared and right. And make sure like the Grinnells are Grinnells. I don't know what they are, but like this, the fire sprinkler systems are like properly pressurized and Mm -hmm. all that garbage. Like, You know, so it's just kind of like weird general grunt labor type stuff. And it is like good uh, experience to have depending on like the type of role you want to get into. And it's served me well, honestly. And it was part of the reason I was able to go get a ranger position, which is, you know, a little bit of security. But I also have a lot of like operational um, duties as well. You know, like I also will be just doing like a lot of like custodial type work as well. But I'm excited for that. You know, to have that hands-on, to be able to just get some physical labor going and, like, work up a sweat. (laughs) Yeah, dude.
1: Yeah, I think, like, most career paths, though, all sort of have that entry-level just slog you got to get through. Like, I didn't have any sort of, like, super physically demanding jobs after high school, but,
0: like... I kind of think in the security field, though, that the entry level goons will never enjoy like the fruits of their labor in a Mm. like career or like livable job. You know, like loss prevention, you could work up to a really good livable wage, but like regular security, like most of those guys aren't ever going to be able to like work up to a security job that's going to pay the bills really well without other type of experience yeah without other type of education
1: so you think most people probably just jump ship
0: yeah and probably go into something else you know because it's like i started down there but the only reason i ever started getting offered higher paying jobs was because of owning my own business going to school that focused on certain aspects and like building my resume around it mhm but like if you're just like jumping from security job to security job like you're probably not ever going to grow to the place you want to be. You know what I mean? And then you're like, yeah. oh, well, I'll get another license and I'll get my armed security license. But like the average armed security guard in Oregon makes $12 an hour. Why would you carry a gun for $12 an hour? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why would you put yourself in an armored van, you know, working for a company like Loomis or whatever and like moving all this cash? And carry a gun for twelve dollars an hour, like yeah, I don't know, I mean it's definitely possible, um but you have to kind of go a like a non traditional route, you know on all the like higher paying jobs you're gonna get preference to like military and like stuff like that, you know, yeah, so it's just hmm. not a good it's just not a good industry. I've thought for a really long time the security industry needs to unionize. Because it's like one of the fastest growing industries in the United States, but it's just so underpaid. Yeah, man. Makes Again, sense like how, how how bonkers is it <laughs> that like somebody like the library could pay $30 to some company with these like people that they're never going to see in some office. and that But the guy that they interface with every single day that's there is getting one third that maybe.
1: Yeah, it's pretty messed up.
0: Anyway. There's my soapbox, but yeah, so I'm really excited to get going at the parks and uh, just kind of see what happens, you know? Nice, dude. Yeah.
1: Well, congrats. Thank you. Glad, glad you got something you're excited for.
0: Yeah. Well. <sighs>
1: <laughs> well, we can talk a little bit about some games if you want. Sure.
0: Since, have you been since... playing games?
1: I've been playing some games, not like super heavy, but. I picked up a couple.
0: This, I've been playing this one mobile game. Yeah? It's called oh. Bewildabots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And if you guys haven't checked it out yet, go back into our back catalog. Check out uh, the episode with Zivix. Um, he launched a game just two days ago called Bewilderbots. And I've been playing it because, I, like I said uh, well, I don't have any, uh, phone reception up at my job. So like, instead of surfing Reddit on my breaks or whatever, I just like pop out below the bots and play it for 10 <laughs> minutes. And like, nice. it's just super fun and cathartic. And like, once you kind of activate your brain in that way, it's, it's better than a lot of the other puzzle games in so many ways because the puzzles are doable, but they're not, um, um, they're not like they get increasingly complex but they're like not impossible
1: yeah until you get to 9
0: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm only on like i don't know 3 or 4 robots and even those get pretty hard
0: yeah it it is challenging i'm not saying it's not but i'm saying that it's it's rewarding in that way and i haven't i have yet to get stuck like, normally I play games like Cogs or something like that, and I get stuck, like, immediately. Oh my
1: god, you know? Cogs is so hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, as soon as you uh, start getting to, like, the double-sided... Um, yeah,
1: dude, where you having to rotate the board around with, like, those pipe ones or whatever, where you have to, like, blow the steam all the way through the pipe, and it goes interweaving between back and forward. Yeah, it's hard.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, go check that out. He's got it on mobile. I got it on Google Play, but it's also available on Steam if you hate mobile platforms. Uh, looks like it's optimized pretty well for the for the desktop. So I might pick it up there eventually, too, but uh, I've just been playing it a lot on my phone. Yep. Um, what other games have you been playing?
1: Well, I picked up Head, which I talked a little bit about already. Yeah, um, I just
0: wish listed that when I saw that you owned it. I was like, all right, I guess I got to <laughs> get in on this.
1: Yeah, I was playing it pretty regularly for about a week or two, and then Moonlighter went on sale. Um, normally, yeah. that doesn't have super great sales, but I got it for half off, and that's been really fun, and actually been kind of inspiring uh, in terms of game development, because the yes. premise and the mechanics are all like really simple. Artwork is amazing.
0: Yeah. You know, um, for Craft Computing, I interviewed the uh, one of the head writers for that game.
1: Oh yeah, I remember you saying that.
0: Yeah, I should see if Jeff has that footage. If I could uh, repurpose it for a game dev's quest,
1: that'd be cool. Um,
0: just get the audio because, like, I basically did when I was talking with him. I was playing Moonlighter, and he was like walking me through the game and through the mechanics and through the premise. And teaching me how the shop worked and teaching me how the dungeons worked and, and, and a little bit of lore about the world and all this sort of stuff while I was playing and I was asking him questions and it was basically like a little mini like hands on Game Devs Quest interview, but, uh, but on the floor of PAX, not CES, I think I said CES, but it was on the floor of PAX last year. And uh, I have his business card, and I have meant to email him (laughs) and be like, yo, come on my podcast, and, like, let's talk about writing video games, because how cool would that be? But I keep forgetting to, like, find that and do all that. But uh, that that game was so cool, and it was so cool to have one of the minds behind it there, like, walking me through it and giving me the inside scoop.
1: Yeah, I, like, I have maybe four hours into it. Um, It starts off pretty challenging like the dungeons cuz the for people who haven't played the premise is basically like you own a sh- this shop called the moonlighter yeah. and the idea is that you sell things during the day and then at nighttime you go kind of quest in these dungeons and you just like kill a bunch of enemies and try to fight bosses and it kind of like has this roguelike sort of feeling when Absolutely. You're, when you're fighting in the dungeons and then basically you collect that loot and you bring it back to your shop and then you sell it and of course like as you progress you get better stuff and then you can uh you know upgrade your items upgrade your shop all that kind of stuff and the premise is just like the the gameplay loop is just like really simple but sort of addicting
0: yeah it's got the same like one more day vibe as exactly Stardew valley
1: I know. it. Even though it's more combat heavy, it has a really similar vibe to me as Stardew. And a lot of it is just that the artwork is so good. Like, I really appreciate the art. The pixel art is fantastic. They chose, like, a style that I don't think is used super often, at least in the games that I have played. Like, they don't do the really super bold outlines of any of the characters, and uh, I don't know, just really pleasing to look at, so it's fun to play. Yeah, but that's the one I've been playing a lot lately. It makes me want to, you know, sit down and think of something super simple like that and try and try and make a game. But, yeah,
0: and nobody would think that a game like that would do well, but um, right? <laughs> it is one of the best and like most unique kind of rogue-like um, like games out there like that I, I can't even think of like what you'd call it but like a stardew valley-esque like roguelike because it combines some of the best parts of harvest moon and stardew valley but also right. like some sammy type games
1: yeah totally yeah it's like harvest moon zelda yeah uh, zelda for sure i don't know yeah it's, i don't know another... i can't even
0: think of like what the shop mechanic would come from that's probably pretty unique in and of itself but
1: it might be kind of like one of those uh restaurant style games or something almost because you're like you put your items out on the table and you there's this whole like economy system where um you first kind of like throw the items out and you don't know how much people will want to pay for them and then you have this little ledger thing that you can look at that tells you like their popularity whether or not people were happy with what they paid um stuff like that I don't know, so there's that aspect, and then there's also like, you only have a set number of spots available to sell things, so you're constantly, like, balancing, like, you know, having people come up to the counter and wait in line and selling their stuff, and then, like, trying to put more stuff out so you can, like, keep selling it during the day, because the day has, like, a finite amount of time. Um, So, to me, it kind of reminds me of, like, actually, probably, like, Ghost Goats games, like, his game that he's working on. Yeah,
0: right, exactly.
1: But, maybe a little bit more bare than his game
0: yeah. just
1: because it has like fighting and other stuff too. So anyways, that's what I've been playing. And then the other thing that's been on my mind lately is, um, age of empires, dude. Well, actually there's a couple things, but age of empires. You were playing that earlier. Yeah. Well, so there's a sale right now and I don't have all the age of empires 2 HD or I didn't have all of them DLCs. And so I picked it up and I kind of thought like, you know, I've I've played that game for literally like thousands of hours, but I've never actually gone through the campaigns <laughs> uh, in entirety. <laughs> and so I kind of want to just like sit and do single player because if I go online, I'm just gonna get wiped, you know.
0: It's not fun. Yeah, it's the only not time fun. a game like that would be fun is a playing the campaign or like reliving the nostalgia with your friends and some like uh, yeah. online multiplayer, but with friends. Exactly.
1: Yep. Well, and I also. Uh, didn't realize this but Age of Empires uh, definitive edition is actually out right now on but it's only available right now on the Microsoft store or whatever that's called mm. um, but i heard that they're going to be releasing it on steam and some other other platforms as well but literally on one of my lunches this week i saw this dude's video that he put up that was gameplay of him you know just playing like a custom scenario and so I watched this guy play for like, you know, 30 minutes or something. And I was just like blown away. The graphics look really nice. Um, it's still really the way the units move and everything just like reminds me of the original age of empires. Um, and the, the music is really good. My, so part of me, like, I feel like that old guy who kind of like wants everything to be exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, the music is fantastic, but, like, I've listened to those soundtracks so many times that I could tell you, like, what notes are not right, and they tried to have, like, a little bit of, a li- like, their own liberty with the soundtrack, and they don't do things exactly the same. I'm like, man, I don't know. They kind of ruined the soundtrack, even though it's really good. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree when they do stuff like that. It just takes you out a little bit because you're so used to what, you know, to what it was.
1: Yeah but if anyone wants to check it out if you go on to ageofempires.com uh, slash games slash AOE it brings you to the definitive edition uh, website and there's this cool little slider where they're showing what the old game looks like and then you can do this little slider bar and compare it side by side with what the new game looks like it's, like, it's pretty incredible so I'm looking forward to that I really want to pick it up when it comes out I also heard that this weekend, at E3, they're going to announce the Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition. Which is going to be sick, because Age of Empires 2 was the best.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It kind of just like sparked that in me. And then lastly, the other thing that I, I'm kind of stoked for, Baldur's Gate 3 was announced.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: And it's being made by Larian Studios, who produced divinity original sin and so my god that's gonna be good (laughs) i don't really like i had baldur's gate maybe one i don't don't remember exactly then i played through a little bit when i was younger like middle school age but i never played them enough and so i uh am planning me and my friend danny who play divinity together we're planning on going through baldur's gate one and two in preparation for baldur's gate three yeah, so
0: that's cool. Yeah, I uh, did a power run through with uh, Lee on Baldur's nice. Gate one, and uh, holy cow, I'd never seen the game played like that. It was really intense and fun. Nice, um, but yeah, that should be interesting to uh, to, to see how they do because the uh, Baldur's Gate is a very much beloved uh, franchise, as well as some of those other Forgotten Realms games.
1: Yeah, was that was that Bioware?
0: Uh, so I think it was. Well, Neverwinter Nights was Bioware. Baldur's Gate was um was that Obsidian? Oh yeah, developed well, it by was Bioware. Was Bioware, but um, yeah, Black Isle, which later I think went on to become uh, God, did Black Isle go on to become?
1: They did Icewind Dale. Yeah. And Planescape Torment.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, okay, so they did do Fallout 2. So later on, I think, like, Black Isle and, like, some other people went on to form Obsidian.
1: Um, okay. Who do... Yeah, yeah, because
0: Planescape Torment as well. So, yeah, some of those, like, huge heavy-hitting RPGs, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, Icewind Dale, and then you're hitting Fallout 2 and uh, Planescape Torment. That was um, Black Isle and uh, Bioware who went on to create Obsidian. Although, um... Yeah, I don't know how that works since there's two devs listed, but... Yeah, I don't know either. But yeah. Yeah. Um, BioWare made their name kind of on those like really narrative-heavy, number-crunchy games. And now they've yeah. made Anthem, and everybody hates them.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> how would you say like Pillars of Eternity compares to Baldur's Gate? Like, they're obviously... Like, Pillars of Eternity gets a lot of um, inspiration from Baldur's Gate, but, like, do they feel pretty similar to you, or?
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, personally, uh, Pillars blew me away. Um, Yeah. I mean, I really like the familiar setting of the Forgotten Realms games. Mm Mm-hmm. But one thing that Baldur's Gate really suffers from is uh, old school D&D rules. Mm. Um, and it's impossible, in my opinion, to understand some of the really early rules. And that's what's so great about the games is it can do it for you. However, uh, for me, especially going back and playing when I've sort of moved on from those D&D systems, mm-hmm. uh, it's really hard to like plan my uh, characters accordingly. Um, now I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm much, I'm a much bigger fan of sort of the, um, D20 system that they used in Neverwinter and Knights of the Old Republic. Like it made it a lot more easy to, to, to do, but Baldur's Gate one was a very, I think it was, uh, I think it was D&D advanced, uh, system. I could be wrong. i probably, everybody listening is like, you're full of shit. <laughs> Uh, using a modified version of the advanced Dungeons and Dragons second edition rule. So I was correct. Boom.
1: Second edition, huh?
0: Yeah. So, so pretty old. Yeah. And there's just some stats in there that are like super, uh, difficult to like calculate like Faco score is like one such thing that anybody who hasn't played D and D advanced, like wouldn't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that it might've also been in three a little bit, but, um, I, I, they like streamlined it, but like so, calculating Thaco and everything was like I don't know, may, maybe it's just me, and maybe it's just me going back. But it was like really difficult. It made it difficult to plan my characters accordingly, um, you know, because it was like a combat score. I'm pretty sure it was like armor class essentially, or something like that. Could be wrong about that too. It's been a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I went and tried to play Baldur's Gate just like last week, and yet it kind of reminded me of what we're talking about all the time with like tutorials and stuff. It wasn't like a tutorial. It was the fact that I literally had to like design my entire party up front. Yeah. And I spent like, well, they, they give you like six slots Yeah. and you get to choose how many you fill, fill in. And then, well, so I'm like, I guess I'm going to do all six, but it like, it seems like I could even do one. And, I don't know. So, anyways, I spend all this time like building up a char- these characters, and by the time I get them all set, I'm an hour in, and then I'm just like tired, so I stop playing before I even play. <laughs>
0: yep. Exactly. So, um, and then you get other characters like immediately in Baldur's Gate, and you're like, why did I do that? <laughs> um, yeah, it has some issues. Uh, that's I really enjoyed the playthrough I did with Lee because he was really invested in the rules, made like. Um, optimizing our characters like really easy and we just did a two-person run. I played yeah. a wizard, he played a fighter um, and we just like legitimately strategized battles like very, very, very carefully because wizards in that game can destroy you. Um, you know, so was, <laughs> yeah. and fighters will destroy wizards. So it's just, you had to be very careful. Um, personally, I just, I really like Pillars because it's so modern and yeah. the unique setting makes it that much easier for me to sort of like get sucked into it without like worrying about um you know things like i don't know like you kind of have extra baggage when you're playing a D based game right you're like oh this is that setting ah this is not quite how i imagined it. or oh i did imagine it. or there's blah 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 or, you got to deal with these classes or that classes and everything's familiar because you're you've played it a thousand times Whereas Pillars, it's all kind of unique and fresh and there are different races and like obviously some of them are modeled off of D&D races and things like that. But again, you are coming into it without the baggage of being an established sort of um, IP. Um, Yeah. And I just thought for being something they whipped up, not really whipped up, that's such a bad term for what they did, but like it was a huge Kickstarter success and Just the way that it all came together and everything, it just felt pretty fresh. And I don't know. There are some things that are cheesy for fantasy, but it worked really well in context of the game. And I haven't played Pillars uh, 2 yet, but I want to. I did play Tyranny. Uh, which I think is the same engine and had a couple things. I didn't get nearly as far as I did in Pillars. And again, it's all just kind of a time commitment, which is a big thing when you're an adult and you want to play games. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, it's like you spend all this time getting ready to play the game, and then you still have to figure out how to play the damn thing <laughs> after you like set up. Yeah. Um, and that makes it challenging. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Pillars is up there. I think the only experience that I've had that is... I don't know. It's hard to say because I've had a couple like really intense RPG experiences that like blew me away. Like I played Dragon Age without any preconceived notion of what it was, and I played that on hard difficulty, which uh, has a lot of like kind of similar combat um, mechanics and stuff as Pillars. W- what with like friendly fire on big spells and things like that. Yeah. Um, and and again, kind of a unique fantasy setting, and again with no preconceived notion, it just kind of floored me. Uh, And then the franchise went in a direction that I have no idea. I didn't play any of the other Dragon Ages, but the original one, Dragon Age Origins, was really good. Uh, Another one that kind of floored me in just in terms of playability was KOTOR, a little bit different of a game and was originally an Xbox exclusive. um, But that one just gripped me and sucked me right in as well. Um, Well,
1: see, like... I don't know. This is talked about all the time, but I, I, it makes me sort of miss the days when we would just go to the store and pick out a game. Yep. You know, like I did have for a while. I was subscribed to PC Gamer, and I would read through. Like that's how I found out about Half-Life 2 and stuff like that. You know, they, they get like 98%, so you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta try this out. But like before that, I would just go to the store and like look at the boxes. Like this one looks cool. That's how I picked out Commandos 2, which ended up being like one of my favorite games of all time.
0: Yeah. You know, I I picked out Space Rangers 2 that way. And again, one of my favorite games. That one just, that one is so good and has so much replayability and I still play it to this day.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it kind of like, because we didn't, you know, watch the trailer and read reviews and like look at all these screenshots, about all these different worlds. All you had was like literally the back of the box and the description. Yeah, you don't like, have
0: expectations built up.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, and that's so, the biggest—that's the biggest problem I think with the game market these days is that um, I think that people don't know how to manage their own expectations, and that's why they get so mad at devs when they launch their game and it wasn't what they hoped it would be. Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest examples of this lately is No Man's Sky, and people want to fight me on this all the time. Uh, the game is good now, guys. By the way, but when it launched, I was unabashedly enjoying it, and people like just were upset that I had a positive vibe of the game. And I was like, dude, imagine you were playing this as like a middle schooler; like your mind would have been blown. Like <laughs> yeah, imagine dude. you walked to Walmart and you saved up your money and you like bought this game on your <laughs> own and you brought it home to play. You would be floored. You would have yeah. left your house all summer and you now, you're now you going to bitch about it because it doesn't meet up your expectations. Here's an idea. Your expectations are bullshit. <laughs> Lower them. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I think that there's a lot of amazing popular games that we all enjoyed in our youth that if they had the same level of hype, like pre-hype as games have now, nobody would enjoy them.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. It reminds me, like your comment about like, imagine you were a middle schooler. Like, yeah. and for me, that was like, imagine it was, like, the year 1999 or, like, 2000 again. Yeah. And, you know, like, everything was super janky. Like, uh, my friend Danny talks about how, like, his favorite game of all time is Morrowind as well. But he played it on Xbox. And he said, like, he and his friends would literally, like, bring their each other's TVs over to yeah. their houses. They would hook up their xboxes to the tvs and play separately all at yeah. the same time like their own single player game and then like you know if something cool happened they'd be like dude check this out and then the other person would pause their game and then watch them play theirs you yeah
0: know? exactly but
1: for him that was like the one of the best gaming experiences he ever had you know and it's all kind of like i don't know it gets you back to like Nowadays, like we could look up literally everything about Morrowind, but what did what did he have back then? Probably just like the manual that came with it. Yeah. you know, so like you discover something and you're like blown away because you have no idea that that's that even existed. Right, and,
0: and you and I think part of that is that you felt like you had ownership over the game in a way because of that, because yeah. it wasn't as easy to go online and look up everything as it is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tried to play Red Dead Redemption that way without looking at anything up. And I got to say, it was like one of the most rewarding single player experiences just because of that, because it brought me back to the first time I played Marlin, where you could explore. And there wasn't like everybody wasn't just running online and making YouTube videos and posting on Twitter and doing all this stuff uh, like they were like they are now, you know. And so yeah. everything felt new, even if the game was a few years old. And every time you found something unique and cool, it felt like yours, like you had earned it. Mm hmm. Um and I gotta say, like it made playing Red Dead like so rewarding because everything felt like it was mine, like I had found yeah. it, and um, you know, I don't know, and I don't think that like what and I think part of what always made me bitter about like I think the first game that I was annoyed that people didn't like was Oblivion, um yeah, and because <laughs> Dude, I I loved play, it yeah right. I, did I too. loved it
1: and then like people told me like what like that game sucks what are you playing it
0: for yeah I'm like what it's like
1: almost a criticism
0: of me <laughs> right it, and and that's one thing that I do I do think is is wrong on our side too is that I feel the same way like it feels like in a, in a like an attack on our intellect or our character yeah. if, if mm-hmm. we enjoy a game that people don't and, yeah. and that's kind of a shortcoming of us that we got to recognize too but because um, it's not that necessarily. You can not enjoy a game and be fine, but but yeah. I think like, but I I do think it's kind of whack to say that like Oblivion sucks. When yeah, it has its problems, but uh, there was no other game like it at the time. I mean, you had Morrowind, but it wasn't like Oblivion. You know, yeah, um, the graphics were amazing. I mean, it was a triple A game in this amazing fantasy world with all these things. But what annoyed me most was that I couldn't play it. And everybody's like, it's garbage, it's garbage, blah 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 blah. Oh, you'd know it if you played it. It's like I just didn't have a computer or a system <laughs> capable of running it. And so when I got my hands on it, like you know, later on, it's like I relished every single second of being able to play it. And I, but it still stuck with me that everyone's sitting there shitting on it nonstop. It's like, uh, you know. So, uh, granted, I, I'm not saying you're not allowed to not like games, but it's so bonkers to me that you know, people. And I think that's just kind of the market right now. Everything's getting so hyped. And then you have so many options that it doesn't matter.
1: That's what I was just going to say is like, the reason it became like that is for one, like it's easier than ever to make games. So we're just flooding the market with like number of games, which like, I don't know. That's awesome. Like, it's cool that people can make games in a much easier way. Like you can, literally sit down and, like, make your dream game come to life. You know, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. But, but yeah, it floods the market. So then you're, like, you know, trying to stand out. So... Yeah. And, and there's all these strategies for addressing, like, how do you get people to give your game any attention? Yeah. And then, then you're, like, publishing all this information about it. And that's where, like, you know, people are, like, literally obsessing over it. You yeah. know, like, I feel like when Half-Life 2 was coming out, like, before it came out... I read the PC Gamer stuff about it, but there was was like no, there was like no videos. Yeah. Like, and then, and then eventually like we did get something on like X play. Yeah. You'd
0: watch it on X play and they would be like Half-Life two amazing. And that, yeah. And and you're, and they're like like, 10 out of 10 or a five (laughs) out of five, whatever their score metric was. And you're like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah
1: uh yeah dude like that was it 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 wasn't like okay let's literally watch somebody play the entire game all the way through and then decide if i want to get it yeah or whatever you
0: know Uh, it's it's crazy to me and um you know this is this is unfortunately the thing that i'm sort of known for on craft computing is my rants about people's expectations with games it's like Uh, I I always thought it was really funny because, like, I bought No Man's Sky and was really happy with it. And and people are always like, how? How are you happy with it? That came so bad. It's like, well, because I knew what I was buying. Like, you didn't. And they're like, well, that's because they lied to us. I'm like, no, 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 no. They didn't lie. You just didn't listen. (laughs) You read things that weren't there. You read between the lines and drew all these conclusions about stuff that was never said. And it's like, dude, we live in 2019 now today. If you're still getting duped by like pre hype for games, like, shame on you, dude. Like, I bought Fable for God's sake. Like, I bought an Xbox to play Fable, and that was not what was like promised. I still loved the game and it was still great, but like, it was a far cry from what was first talked about in Game Informer when I bought the Xbox and I waited years to get my hands on that game. And by the time I could finally play it, it it's like, yeah, it was kind of disappointing. Well, actually it was immensely disappointing. And I got to say like from that moment onward, I was never fooled by trailers or by big centerfold articles in magazines about stuff or, or, you know, press hype in any way, because, (laughs) One of the biggest like game makers of the time, like with a, one of the biggest names, like fooled everybody. And it's yeah. like, if this is still happening to you, I don't know what to say, man. Like, lower your expectations. It's a game. <laughs> it's never going to be what was per, like was promised. Yeah. Like honestly, the fact that like, games get made in general is a goddamn miracle. Sometimes, especially <laughs> yeah. big ass games like that. I know. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. What I was gonna say is honestly, like, what I would say is like. Stop paying attention to AAA and start playing a bunch of indie games. Yeah, like, absolutely. Your expectations will be lower, and then you'll just like enjoy them for being and, quaint or like and, whatever it is, you know?
0: And one thing that I've seen a bunch of our friends forget as well is that, like, okay, we get it. You love Bioware and all of these, like, these legacy developers. But you got to understand that the people that made all of your favorite games, they're not there anymore. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they've moved on. Yeah. Um, Most of them probably don't even work in the games
0: industry at this point. Right. They've probably <laughs> retired. Man. Like, if you want yeah. all the same devs that you had on, on Baldur's Gate 1, making Baldur's Gate 3, that was 20 years ago that game came out. Baldur's yeah. Gate 1. <laughs> Which means that it was probably, like, 22, 23 or more yeah. years ago that they started making it. Right. Like... Yeah, They're doing changed. other stuff, man. No, <laughs> nobody wants to be tied to that for so long. Yeah. And, and that's one thing. It's always... It, I think that was really elucidated to me with the Diablo 3 debacle. Because so many people were like, all you had to do was reskin Diablo 2. And you have money. And it's like, yeah, but all the Diablo 2 guys are gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they can't just, like, remake it. <laughs> they got it, like literally remake the damn game with the people and tools that they have um (laughs) yeah that's that's my rant
1: Uh... (laughs) yep i feel you dude but all that being said like there's some cool stuff coming out so i'm excited for it i think like i've said this before but like now that i'm programming at work i like i there are times I come home and I'm like, man, I wish I didn't have to do house stuff. I wish I could just like sit down and program. Yeah. Um, but like, also I'm dead tired. So I want to just play some games. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to start probably doing that. But uh, last night I had this kind of idea. Cause I've been sort of, I don't know, after seeing Zivix uh, put his game out, I just got kind of jealous.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, so it makes me want to, want to put a game out and I want to, I don't know. I think I want to start over with with everything. Like, I don't think I'm going to go back to the logging game. Um, But it makes me want to get in and start making stuff. And last night, I opened up Monogame again, and I realized I kind of forgot most everything that I learned, um, which is fine. So what I want to try to do now is go through some of the games that Chris Deleon in his course and in his book that he put out. Yeah recommends you work on so it's the the idea is just like you know recreate a bunch of classic video games that you already sort of understand how they work so it's sort of like re-engineering them and trying to learn a lot from them yeah so i'm gonna start doing that i think i'm gonna you know just spend a couple weeks on a on a game and see if i could reproduce you know asteroids or what i what i'm gonna start with is snake because i've never made snake before and it seems like it'd be easy but already like last night i started setting up the project i'm like this is more challenging than i thought it would be well maybe. remember you know? when
0: dude we first started like working on stuff and you, and you were showing me like all the things that you had programmed and I was, we were talking about games and you had like a program you were trying to create oh, snake yeah. like, i just can't get it to work
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude that's right i made a, a c sharp console game yeah that would literally like draw you know letters on the screen and then it would just, you know, flash and redraw them, like, yeah. in different positions. But, yeah, it was the hardest thing, like, trying to get the head of the snake, what was it? Like, when you're turning or something, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, like, hard getting the snake to move around the way that you would think it would. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you move, you're going uh, left to right, and then you move up, and now you gotta, you know, make sure it does that curve in the right spot or, you know, and then all of a sudden you go right again. And now it's like, you have two points where it's like having to remember which way to go. It's tricky. So I don't know. I think like going back to the basics, not getting caught up on like what your game looks like and just trying to, you know, figure out how, how they work. I think it'd be really valuable at this point. And then once I get through some of those, you know, maybe making like a little puzzle type game that, I can put up on a mobile store or yeah. whatever. You know, like, it's it's all good. Like, we're just here having a good time. Let's learn and let's make some stuff.
0: Hell yeah, man. So,
1: also, I don't know the date. Um, Shenana Jam is coming up.
0: Shenana uh, Jam.
1: <laughs> I think I want to do it this year. Oh, it yeah. It is, let's see, Ju- uh, July 12th. It's coming up quick. So... I think I'm going to sign up for that. I've always wanted to do a, a shenanigans jam, but I never have done it. So that'll be fun. But for reals, dude, like we got to get at least one OMG jam this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah. The only downside is like I work weekends now, but um, I'm definitely uh, not opposed. I'm definitely not opposed
1: Do you for weekends. Are you working late at night?
0: I am. So I would have time. Okay. I would well, have some time.
1: Yeah. Let's talk. Yeah. Because I know we've been talking about it for like six months.
0: Guys, you heard it here. We're talking, but <laughs> with the mics off. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I'm just totally down. Yeah, honestly, like that's the thing, like talking to Ote, talking to Zivix, like if you guys are listening, you guys are super inspiring and it was great talking to you both. Having all these great dudes, uh, like MBG in the in the Discord and everything. Like I just love seeing what everybody's working on all the time and it is really yeah. inspiring so thank you all and looking forward to seeing whatever what everybody else is, keeps working on and seeing what uh, what everybody keeps making oh god words um,
1: yeah it's pretty crazy like because neither of us have really had much time to do much of anything related no. to our community and stuff and it's like it's pretty amazing that it's still going all on its own (laughs) and like you know people are talking in there and we don't have to contribute and it and it's all good and people are happy and nice and whatever so i'm stoked about that i want to get in and and contribute more uh just life man
0: yeah well stop apologizing just get in there when you can man i know everybody everybody gets it at this point so
1: yep Um, but we do need to get some more guests on because especially from the community because it's fun Yeah, so
0: absolutely. Look out, y'all. Well, I think it's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, We appreciate you guys sticking with us. Hopefully you agree with everything I had to say about video games, uh, because if not, (laughs) I hate to tell you, you're wrong. Uh, No, just kidding. (laughs) I just have strong opinions, but uh, that doesn't mean that yours are any less valid. I just feel a certain way. But uh, yeah, looking forward to Baldur's Gate 3, looking forward to some of those other titles we talked about. Um, Mm Yeah. What are you guys looking forward to? Tell us in the discord channel. If you go to game devs you can find the link to our discord. You can find the link to our Twitter. You can find the link to all that good stuff. Find some of our awesome, uh, vaulted podcast episodes. Maybe you can find a new favorite if you haven't listened to them all. Um, that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, let us know in the discord what you're looking forward to playing or let us know in the discord, what you're working on. If you're, uh, if you're new, um, and that sort of thing. Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's how we uh, we keep going. That's how we keep making games, is coming together.
0: Coming together, dog. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. guys. We appreciate it.
1: Yep. Have a good week, y'all.
0: Cute at music.
1: Mm
0: hmm.